it's sad that we have to have a week set aside to remind us to be thankful, isn't it? I want to look at Thanksgiving a little bit today and I want to look at it from three different angles, three ways to look at Thanksgiving. I want to uh, give some credit to Pastor Jeremiah Shirley uh, this morning for some of the thoughts from the message as well. Psalm 95, 11, uh, 1 through 11. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Your word is life to us. David said it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Let's meet to our soul, strength to our spirit. We thank you for it today. Lord, I, I know that as, as I talk today, you're going to use my, my voice, my lips, you're going to animate them somehow, and you're going to say things to hearts and lives that my voice isn't actually saying. Uh, so we just, each in this room, we surrender ourselves to the voice of the Holy Spirit and help our ears to be keenly aware of what you want to say to us individually today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 95, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. I think we've done that today. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands, picture this, are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. May that never be said of anyone in this room. Amen. Hear the voice. Hear the voice of the Lord today. I remember being in elementary school. Anybody ever, was anybody ever a cross guard? I think we called them. Yeah. Raise your hand real high, all us proud cross guard people. We got to wear those funky belts and stuff, and we had a little sign to hold up and could stop traffic or students from crossing the street. I was one of those back in the day. But I remember an elementary teacher always teaching us, before you cross the street, do what? See, you all learned really well. Look both ways. And in this world where we are so busy, we're so caught up, we're so wrapped up in so many things, bidding for our attention, pulling us one direction or another, and asking for part of our time, we come to this Thanksgiving time, and I pray that today is a reminder for us to focus our attention 
on this word thanksgiving a little bit. And the Lord would, instead of looking all around, look right to the provider, our great God, our great Lord, and be thankful for the many things he's done. Thanksgiving is a time to look in many different directions to see just how blessed we are. But if we're not careful, we can make the holiday all about us. I, I think as human beings, we have that tendency. You know, we want it to be about our special food or we get to Christmas. We want it about what we want for Christmas. And uh, I, I think any holiday ought to begin with, with God. And before you dig into the turkey and slam the fork into the mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes, whatever you're having, it would be wise of you to look to the creator of all things and give thanks for what he's done. Our tradition in our house uh, for Christmas is we, we, we don't touch any presents until we read the Christmas story so we know what it's all about. Don't ever lose focus of what it's all about. It's not about the presents. It's about the present. Amen? And this Thanksgiving, we want to thank the Lord for so much. So we're looking today at this passage. We're going to look upward, we're going to look outward, and we're going to look inward as we look at this Thanksgiving. An upward look should make us thankful. And it should make us thankful several ways. First of all, we should bring thanks for the power of God. We see in verses 1 through 5 several ways that we see the power of God there. I am always in awe of the power of God. I don't know about you. For someone to shake a fist at God and, or, or, or to try to even admit that somehow there is no God absolutely floors me. I, I can't begin to comprehend that. Now you see in first. Three, that he's a great God, he's a great king, and he's above all gods, little g, <laughs> above all little g's. He is the God of all gods. Don't ever lose sight of that. He is supreme. He is preeminent. He is sufficient. He is all in all. He is in all and he is all. He is God. And in his hands, the scripture says, are the depths of the earth. I've, I've got a pretty big hole in my backyard. A big tree fell over. It's a big hole. But that hole's nothing to what, compared to what my God holds in his hands. The very depths, as deep as you can go on that earth, he's got it in his hand. In fact, the songwriter said, he's got the whole world in his hand. Amen? He's got you and me, brother, in his hand. Come on, break it out. And the mountain peaks, they belonged to him. You know, there was, a, there was an atheist, her name was Harriet. And one morning, she and uh, one of her Christian friends stepped out into a beautiful fall morning. And as Harriet saw the brilliant sun peeking through the haze and the frost on the meadow and the brightly colored leaves making their way lazily to the ground, she was filled with the awe of the moment and she said, I'm so thankful, and I'm just so grateful for it all. And her Christian friend looked at her just seriously, and she said, thankful to who? If you're an atheist, who do you thank for all of that? Who do you thank for being, making the beauty of what we enjoy every day? There's so many things in creation that our Heavenly Father has given us to enjoy. When is the last time you thanked Him for something that took your breath away? I hope you're not one of those people that just goes through life oblivious to all that's around you. 
the, the phrase, take time to stop and smell the roses, that's a good suggestion. Take time to stop and enjoy the beauty that's around you. Nature is it's just, for me, it's awesome to observe. The majestic power of God to keep it, in, in, it all in, in, in control, that God can control somehow all of that power just astounds me. The, the powerful wind, the crack of a loud thunder that makes you just shudder when you hear, oh, you've been in, never been in a room and it go, everybody just goes, oh. How many have ever heard that? The thunder just crack. Yeah, just. And that's nothing for God. It's just, that's just like throwing a little dart for God. It's nothing for him. Can you imagine if he would release the power that he has? The brilliant flash of lightning that makes the night become like noonday. I love those times when it's really dark and lightning flashes the sky. And for a split second, it's like it's noontime. You look around and say, wow, I just saw everything clearly. See, God has the power to bring light in darkness. The innocence of a new fawn with its frail, wobbling legs and white spots speckled across its hide. My wife and I were driving some months ago through, through uh, northern PA and right along the edge of a f- cornfield was a couple of little fawns and they just do <laughs> little weird things. Their feet are kicking up and they're just frolicking. I just stopped, <laughs> pulled over. And as soon as I did, of course, they ran into the corn, but... It was awesome just to watch the innocence of a little fawn. Or the brilliant reflection of the moon across a body of water on a starlit night. How about the expanse of the galaxies? You ever seen pictures of galaxies? If you were here last Sunday night, they showed a Lou Giglio um, movie because uh, I was in, visiting someone in the hospital Sunday night and they had to pinch hit with a movie. But it's awesome. The galaxies are awesome. And to know that he created us for his glory, and so we should give him the glory that is due him. And to realize that in spite of all of the wonderful things we see in creation, that you and I are the pinnacle of his creation. That he chose not to put his presence and the breath of life and a soul in a star, but he put it in something made of clay called humanity, you and I, because he wanted us to have relationship with him. It's awesome. Because all the power that God has, he chose with all of that power to humble himself and to come to earth to bring salvation to a lost and dying world. He could have, in a split second, destroyed it all and started over. But he humbled his power and he came in the most unlikely forms, the form of a little baby so that we could have life. What power that the God of all creation would choose to harness it on us and draw us to himself (coughs) through the gift of salvation. There's no other power in the entire universe that can do what he has done for us. Think of that. There's no other power that can bring salvation to humankind but the power of God through his son, Jesus Christ. What power? 
An upward look also brings thanks for the plans of God. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for you this morning? Don't you for a second think that, oh, God doesn't care about me. Listen, God cared about you long before you were born. In fact, he cared enough about you to put some very specific DNA inside the molecules to have you born just the way you are. And God doesn't make junk, and he certainly doesn't make mistakes, but he does have a plan. Sometimes we may not understand the plan, but he has a plan. I always think of that tapestry. If you've ever seen a tapestry, you look at the picture of the tapestry. It's beautiful. And God's weaving it, and he's putting some beautiful things together. But oftentimes, we're seeing it from the other side. We just see the mess of our lives. We see string going everywhere, and it's all colored, and it's all distorted. And we're saying, God, what are you doing? It feels like my life is a mess. And God says, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got a plan. Someday he'll hold the tapestry up and show you the master plan that he has for your life. Jeremiah tells us that he does have a plan for a life, doesn't he? If you don't understand that God has a plan for your life, then the Christian walk simply becomes routine and doldrums. We go through life day after day wrestling with why am I here? I don't have any purpose. But when we understand that there is a plan, it makes life so much different. Have you asked God about his plans to prosper you? Have you asked him about the hope and the future that he has for your life? Instead of whining about what your life is, would it be better to turn the sentence around and say, God, yes, maybe my life is a mess, but I know that you said, listen, when God says it, it is so. But you said that you have a plan for my life. You have a future and a hope in my life. God, would you begin to show me what that is? When's the last time you asked that question rather than, Oh God, where are you? And oh God, what are you doing? Oh God, this doesn't matter. Instead of that vocabulary, why don't you just invite him to show you, let him give you a glimpse of the plan he has for your life. An upward look brings thanks for the presence of God. It's what we had here today, isn't it? Listen, you can't purchase that. You can't manufacture that. You can't conjure it up. He's drawn to those who are broken and contrite and humble before him. He's drawn to those kind of hearts. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in time of need. I, I'm going to suggest to you that many times when we go into a time of need, we do more, we spend more energy freaking out than we do finding out what God's all about. Somebody write that down because that was good. That just came off my tongue. <laughs> Quote me on that. That's, this is, this, Pastor Joe said this. Really, the Holy Spirit said it. He gets all the credit. But we just need to ask the Lord, what's going on? And you realize that, I think someone had the word this morning, that, I think it was in Earl's word, that you don't have to come here to experience the presence of the Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You, you can be anywhere. 
How many have felt the Lord in some pretty unique places? And we won't go there, right? Some pretty unique places that he shows up. And Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses, who understands our failures and our flaws. He understands all of that about us, and he still has given us access to come boldly into the throne of grace whenever we need to come. I won't ask you to show your hands this morning, but maybe you're here today and you're thinking, oh, pastor, if God only, if God only knew how ugly I was. Oh, God knows all about how ugly you are inside and out. And he still chooses to let you come into his presence. Amen? We have confidence. The scripture says, come confidently into the presence of the Lord. Come boldly, one translation says. Square your shoulders. You're a king's kid. You're walking into daddy's room. You know, if my children, my biological children ever came to me, the way many of us tried to come to God, it would be an insult to my fathering. I would feel as though I was an abusive father or something. I want you to catch that picture. But God wants you to come boldly and confidently. Why? Because of who you are? No, because who he made you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. So we come boldly into his presence because I'm now a king's kid. I'm a child of God. I've got royal blood flowing through my veins. And everything that's his is mine. I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. All that Christ is going to get from daddy, I get to get part of it too. Hallelujah! It's awesome. You have something to be thankful for. Why are we thankful for his presence? Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. As we were praying this morning, that verse that says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, Peace and joy, as many times as I've heard that verse, as many times as I've quoted that verse, this morning, the Lord made something very, very clear to me. It was categorically laid out before me in my mind's eye. In his presence, that his presence is, his kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that weaves through all three of those areas. The Holy Spirit is the, is the vehicle, if you will, that causes any area in our life that needs to be touched to be ministered to. He's the, he's the vehicle that navigates the kingdom for us. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And categorically, what I saw in my mind this morning, that righteous, the righteous part of his kingdom handles all of the sin junk. His righteousness. See, the scripture says that we, have, we walk in his righteousness, not ours, because our righteousness is what? It's really ugly, right? 
It's really ugly. So we walk in his righteousness. So anything that is sinful in our life, that category in his kingdom is covered by his righteousness. And then peace. There are a lot of things that are covered under peace. Diseases, sicknesses, illnesses, mental struggles, decisions that need to be made all come under this issue of peace. Storms in your life, no matter how big or how small they are, when Jesus was in the boat and the storm was there, the disciples were freaking out. They were saying, oh God, don't you care that we're going to die? And some of us talk to God like that in the midst of our storm. God, don't you care that I'm about to die? And Jesus stands up, oh ye of little faith, don't you know about my peace yet? My peace, Jesus said, I give you not as the world gives, I give unto you. Right? He gave it to us already. This is not something that we have to wait for it to show up. God gave you his peace. So in this category of peace, you have the authority to stand like Jesus did in the bow of the boat and say, hey, storm, shut up. Be still, quiet, silent. I grew up in the Fonzie days. And whenever I think about Jesus doing that, I think of that one scene where Fonzie was out in the woods Sleeping, how many know where I'm going? Anybody remember that? And he's sleeping in a sleeping bag, and there's owls hooting and all kinds of weird noises, crickets doing their thing at night and stuff. And Fonzie sits up and he goes, hey! And just stops. Now, I don't pretend to think that Fonzie has any near the power of God, but Jesus says, peace be still. So in that category of peace, Jesus says, you have the authority to stand up and command that to be still. And then joy. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we don't rejoice and hope to get the joy. We have joy, so we rejoice. And the joy of the Lord is, somebody say that word with me, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So it is. You don't have to call it into existence to call it into being. It is, right now, present tense, it is our joy. Joy of the Lord is strength to us. And so we can walk in that and under that category of joy, the Lord brings so many other things in our life under subjection to that. And we can choose to listen to the enemy. We can choose to listen to our own mind. We can choose to be battered and, and beat up. Or we can just submit ourselves to the word of the Lord. Listen, there, there is an urgency in the earth realm right now. The urgency is that the people of God would begin to understand the word of the Lord. For so long we've heard it, but we haven't exercised it. For so long we've preached it, but we haven't prophesied it. It is something that was to come instead of something that is to be. And in this season, the urgency that we've been talking about over the last several years, the Lord is is calling for a people who are not addressed or identified by a church, but they're addressed and identified by a Christ. That the kingdom... Is something that they don't talk about. It's something that they live in and exercise out of. 
And that urgency is linked with the Word of God, the spirit of intercession and prayer. And as a pastor, I, I, I struggle. God, how, how, how do, how do I get a body of people that I sense uh, a majority of them are church attenders and yet they're not walking in the power and the authority of the gospel? How do I, how do I get that? All I can do is warn. All I can do is say what I'm hearing the Spirit of God say. And you that have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We can look outwardly. The scripture says that God supplies all our needs according to your paycheck. According to your boss's provision, according to how well you planted your garden, according to your inheritance that mommy or daddy passed down to you, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. He's calling for a contentment in the body of Christ. I'm really content until I start looking through the Sears catalog. I'm really content, and I really like my little Toyota Prius until my neighbor pulled in with this incredibly beautiful Dodge four-door pickup the other day with chrome rims on it. (laughs) And I ain't going to lie, my little heart went... <laughs> Father God, I need one of those. <laughs> I'm driving a Prius, but I was born in West Virginia, so I need a pickup truck. I love every area of my life and I'm content with it until I start looking at other people's lives and wish I had what they had. The secret of a happy life is not to get what you want, but to live with what you have. Learn to live with what you have and enjoy it. Too many of us spend most of our lives concentrating on what we don't have. So therefore, we never enjoy what we do have. You ever hear the saying, you don't know what you've got until it's gone? When our power was shut off, I became very thankful for electricity. When I forget to put my garbage out, I'm reminded how thankful I am for the faithfulness of the garbage collectors. Every time I walk by the trash can, I'm reminding how faithful I am for the trash collectors. We go without running water, and all of a sudden I appreciate simple things like the faucet on my sink and the shower head 
Sometimes our attitude is towards God. Yeah, what have you done for me lately, God? Are you thankful what he has given you? I was reminded as I was preparing this message a few years ago, uh, as a church, we gave uh, gifts out. And uh, one family bought a... a, I I think we had people that gave us cards of what their kids needed, I think was the deal we had going on. and So somebody was really excited because one of the suggestions on the card was they wanted a, a game. It was pretty expensive for their child. And so someone said, yeah, I, I'm feeling like I'd like to bless that person. And so they got this individual a game. And a few days later, we got a call from the dad. And he was just blasting us, angry at us, because we didn't include batteries for the son's controller or something, you know. And I just think, I think, God, God, is that how you see us sometimes? You've given us so much, and we say, where's the batteries, God? When I look out where that sinners, it makes me thankful. I'm thankful for his long suffering. I'm thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful for his grace. I'm thankful for the change that he made in my life. And when I see the lost, I'm grieved for the lostness. But thankful there is a God that any moment he could save those who call upon the name of the Lord. An outward look at salvation makes me happy as well. Alex Haley, the author of Roots, has a picture in his office. It's a fence post with a turtle on it sitting up on the fence post. Somebody visited his office and said, what's the deal with the picture? And he said, I keep that picture on my wall to remind me that whatever I do, I didn't do it on my own. I didn't get here on my own. And I've noticed over the years of ministry that we have a tendency to feel pretty good about our walk with the Lord and we start looking down at others somehow like we had a lot to do with our own salvation. And God, you're pretty lucky to have me on your team because I'm quite righteous, thank you very much. When the truth is that Jesus paid a debt that we could not pay and purchase for us the greatest miracle when he took us from darkness into his marvelous light. We once were alienated from God. We walked in darkness and our eyes were blinded by the prince of this age, the scripture says. We had no hope and we were destined for the wrath of God to come. Simply put, our ticket was stamped for hell. And there was nothing I could do to change my destination until Jesus 
gave me salvation. Lastly, an inward look should make us thankful. An inward look at my heart makes me thankful. In a sense, gratitude is an expression of modesty. In Hebrews, the word for in, he, in the Hebrew, the word for gratitude is hoda ah. Say that with me, hoda ah, hoda ah. It's the same word that's used for the word confession. To offer thanks is to confess dependence. To acknowledge that others have the power to benefit me. Listen, in our culture where we are, are always trying to be independent and do for ourselves, when you get to the place where you need the help of others, it's a humbling thing. And by the way, God wants us to be there more often than we are. I remember being in Bible college and being incredibly humbled. I had left a very good paying job. My wife was a school teacher. We went off to Bible college and, and for, for a long period of time, we depended on other people to minister to us. It's a humbling, humbling experience. We didn't know where our meals were going to come from. I remember using dish towels as diapers on our children because we couldn't afford diapers and couldn't even afford to wash them. The toilet became our washing machine. I understand what it's like to live without many of the comforts that we have today. Hot dogs and macaroni of cheese, thank God. My kids to this day can't stand them. I'm thankful for the taxes I pay because it means that I'm employed. The clothes that fit a little too snug. In fact, I tried a suit on this morning. That's a nice suit. I haven't worn that in a while. And I put the pants on and I said to myself, I know why you don't wear that anymore. (laughs) Clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I've had enough to eat. I'm thankful for my shadow because it means I get to enjoy the sunshine. A lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. I'm thankful for the spot I find to clear at the end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking the distance across the parking lot to the store. I'm thankful for my heating bill because it means I've been warm. I'm thankful for those who sing off-key because it means I can hear I don't know what is in my alarm clock. There's a demon in there. (laughs) You're laughing, but I'm serious. 
I, I, don't, I don't touch the thing. And I can't tell you how many days in the last several weeks at 5 o'clock in the morning, my alarm clock chooses to scare the heck out of me. But when the alarm clock goes off, I'm thankful because it means I'm still alive. Weariness and aching muscles at the end of the day because it means I've been productive. Three of the men from the church and myself tackled a pretty large tree in my backyard that fell over during the storm and into the stream. And... uh, I sound pretty old, if you ask my wife. I sound pretty old the last couple of days. Getting in and out of the car. Oh, oh. She just chuckles at me. <laughs> she does. She just thinks it's funny. <laughs> hey, the art of thanks living. Thanks living is gratitude in action. God, help us to be thanks-livers, to live it out, not to just spit it out once in a while from our lips, but to live it out in every day of our life, to be thanks-livers. That doesn't sound good. An inward look at my health makes me thankful. One lady wrote in... It was Thanksgiving season in the nursing home. The small resident population was gathered about their humble Thanksgiving table and the director asked each in turn to express one thing for which they were thankful. Thanks were expressed for a home in which to stay, families, and etc. And one little old lady in her turn said, I thank the Lord for two Perfectly good teeth. One on my top jaw and one in my lower jaw. And they line up so I can chew food. We take health for granted until we don't have it, don't we? And lastly, an inward look at my household makes me thankful. Scripture says that children are a heritage from the Lord. What a blessing. My family has doubled in size over the last several years. Two daughters-in-law and a studly son-in-law. I have six children and I'm blessed. Debbie and I are so thankful for our children. On top of that, there are spiritual children. People that I get to pour into their lives. People that come to me as a spiritual father and say, Dad, how about this? Dad, how about that? I'm rich. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. And we're thankful 
as a pastoral team for the family of God. Because without the investment of many of your lives into what goes on here at Christian Life and what goes on in your lives throughout the week, the testimonies that come back, our ministry would feel fruitless. But you've made us feel full. And for that, we are very grateful. I want to close by reading this poem. It's entitled, Forgive Me When I Whine. Today upon a bus I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her so beautiful and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and, a, and wore a crutch. But as she passed, she wore a smile. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet and the world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the man who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you such, with such courtesy. I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes and the world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play, and it seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment, then I said, why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead with a word, I realized, without a word, and I realized he could not hear. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears and the world is mine. With feet to take me where I go, the eyes to see the sunset glow, with ears to hear what I would know, I am blessed indeed. God forgive me when I whine. As you gather for the holiday this week, take time to look upward, first and foremost. Take time to look outward. And round the day off by looking inward and realizing how rich you are by God's grace. Amen.